Podcast, Episode 84. Here's TVA on Bob's Breakfast with ACL. Our weapons expert, Double O TVA, is with us this morning in a top-secret location. Where are you, Todd Van Allen? Well, I'm at uh, CSIS's Special Weapons and Defense Proving Ground, found in Fairy Glen, Saskatchewan. Now, aren't you worried, though, about giving away the location? Well, do you know where Fairy Glen, Saskatchewan is? No. Exactly. <laughs> this entire complex is dedicated to making uh, it's James Bond-like special weapons that they've created. Gadgets here they have are fantastic. All right, so what, what have you found while you've been there? Well, they've, uh, they actually have some, some very decent defensive weapons, like camouflage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, they have one, actually, this is specifically for the Prime Minister, Stephen Harper. They actually uh, developed this for him during his campaign. This piece of equipment is fireproof and will have whipped cream and pie wipe right off of it in a flash without staining. Uh, camouflage is a big blue sweater. It's not bulletproof. I did ask the guy. I said, it's not bulletproof because this is Canada, after all. I asked him why they didn't assassinate uh, PMs in Canada. People have to look at them up close through a scope. <laughs> Because <laughs> really, if you think of it, the last time we had a ruggedly handsome PM, his uh, wife became a Rolling Stone groupie. So, yeah, Rex Murphy should run. Okay. So, there's a huge shelf of these things. They're Member of Parliament costumes. So, they're full-size, lifelike. They have complete animatronic faces and facial movement and voice. Uh, which allow you to look attentive and appear like you're listening, but you're actually sleeping inside the thing. Uh, there's a Peter Kent one. That one comes with a teleprompter and microphone. Okay. There's a lot of these Jerry Ritz ones in a bin. <laughs> a lot of, how's your listeriosis joke now, little buddy? Oh, there's a Gord Brown one. No really? way. It is, yeah. It comes with a Leaf jersey and a cell phone that speed dials Greco's pizza and get an Aquay. <laughs> I'm getting that. Are there any special weapons or like uh, concealed weapons? Okay, so here's one. Pancakes. Uh, they look like normal pancakes, but they're in fact made out of C4. And the, oh, the guy's got, is that maple syrup? Like some some sort of detonating fluid? No, it's just amber number one. Okay, that's, uh, sorry. Sorry, guys, that was just his breakfast. Oh, here's one. Okay, so this one says it's exclusive for women spies. It looks like a normal flashlight, but now I turn it on, and it vibrates, and it says here to apply to a sore shoulder. One thing about James Bond is he loves his cars. Mm-hmm. What about the Austin Martin with the ejector seat, machine gun, smoke screen, oil slick, all that sort of thing? Aha. Uh-huh. Well, they haven't done uh, the transportation as much as you would want. Uh, what they have done is they've jazzed up an entire goalie outfit. Got it on right now, guys. First of all, the goalie stick, a uh, converted M16. The pads are titanium, and the goalie pads are also mine-proof. There's a laser sight goalie mask, and the blocker shoots ground-to-air Sidewinder missiles. Wow. <laughs> We're going to give this a little test right now. They've got a, a store mannequin on, like, a dolly that's mm-hmm. going to come in and, like, check me in front of the net. All right. He's got him in a Leaf jersey, too, so he's going to get my anger up. That's it, Andropod! Get out of my crate! Yeah! How do you like that now? Todd. Yeah, you piece of Yeah! Todd, Todd, calm down. Uh, yeah, I kind of got away from you there. How, how does this whole thing help you at all? Um, considering well, you're not this, really hiding from anybody if you're dressed up as a goalie. Well, no, I think the big plan right now is that the peacekeepers are uh, going to increase their efforts by trying to get the Al-Qaeda to uh, play some shinny. <laughs> and once they do, we got them. I guess I would do it. Thank you, Double O TVA, at the top secret special weapons location somewhere in Saskatchewan. Now here's Todd on the drive with Reed.
How are you, Mike? Good. Uh, we'll start off uh, by talking about hockey because uh, we got a local boy doing some pretty good after uh, Brian Burke stepped down. Uh, Bob Murray takes over as GM for the Ducks, and yes, he is from Kingston. He is, and it's good to see a local boy going in there. Hopefully he can bring in the same sort of flair that the Kingston Frontenacs are currently blessed with. <laughs> that, oh, I have man. no idea. <laughs> it's it's going to be a bit of a departure for him, I think, going to California from Kingston. Yeah, I think he's going to have trouble fitting in down there. So uh, what I've gone and done is I've opened up a betting book uh, on things that he might say over the next next three days. Uh, you get three to one for him saying, no, I don't want roasted corn pesto guacamole on my effing cheeseburger. <laughs> um, I will pay seven to one for, uh, I don't care if it is bad she for them, get those guys to four check. <laughs> and uh, 18 to one, will get. Uh, uh, you'll get if he says, uh, officer, you have to understand where I'm from, the grizzly isn't a gay bar. <laughs> so, nice. Mail in your bets. Cool. Um, well, you know what? Uh, drugs, they, they come in many forms, but uh, holy water. Uh, someone tried smuggling over the border the date rape, the date rape drug uh, disguised as holy water. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I couldn't believe that they were going to try and ship, like, I guess, Rohypnol, whatever it is, in the holy water shipment. I just love to see this guy trying to cover his tracks when they got busted. It's a miracle. I was expecting wine, but this is just as good. <laughs> this is okay. Jesus, thank you. Uh, there's another crazy story, too. I guess this uh, obese prisoner in Quebec was released early because, uh, well, they, they basically couldn't find a table or chair big enough to suit him. I know, 430 pounds. Yeah, wow. Yeah, who'd think? Who'd think of all places, prison would be the place to lose weight. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I thought it was just bread and water. Apparently now it's deep fried cheese and jalapeno poppers. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, they, they released him from jail like two or three months early. Two months early, I think it was. Yeah, because they couldn't accommodate his size. That's a new one. I've seen a lot of prison break movies. I never thought you could eat your way out. <laughs> I think we'd have to change movies and show titles now. Uh, you'd have to call it Prison Cake. I think <laughs> the longest lard. The Shawshank Rotunction, you know, something like that. You know what? We probably can find some room for them. They should ship them off to Kingston. <laughs> we'll take care of them. Well, you bring in Martha Stewart and she can knock out some cell walls. She spent some time. She knows how to design the things. It's exactly. Thing. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, actually, uh, Todd, uh, tomorrow, uh, change a routine for me. I'm, I'm doing the morning show, filling in for Jim. And it, it's been a bit of a while, so uh, I, I've got to get up at 4 a.m. I don't know if you have any tips for me. Start off with a good breakfast. Mm-hmm. They suggest something nutritious like cereal with some fruit and yogurt on it or some eggs with some whole grain toast. So you better say goodbye to your two walnut crunches and your five Jack and Cokes. Oh, no. Or, yes, oh, or no. Yeah, the spiders will have to remain on your skin. Uh. Um, it also says if you start to, to, to nod off, uh, move around, like just kind of get up and move around. So um, once you fire up your music, you can continue to play your Dance Dance Revolution in the studio while you've fired up Papa Roach or Incubus or whatever else the hell you're playing there. Uh, would it kill you to play some Killing Joke for me? The ministry? Some white zombie? Something? All right, all right, all right. Just for um, you. Last thing you can do, and this is my biggest suggestion for you that uh, will help you stay awake. Don't listen to this segment. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Good stuff, as per usual. And uh, you can find it all at Todd Van Allen's website, toddvanallen.com, or heyitstva.com. We will chat again next Thursday, buddy. Absolutely. Talk to you soon, Mike. We have some extra audio this week. Julian Sokol uh, interviewed Todd for a radio show pilot called CKCU's Last Laugh. But before we get to that, I'm going to play Push by Brother Love. It's on the Podsafe Music Network for quite a while now. On behalf of Tom and Alan, thanks for listening. Tuesday, we'll have Jay McEwen from Runaway Music on the podcast. See ya. Push.
subject matter that may not be suitable for younger audience. Listener discretion is advised. 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 A guy walks into a bar and he says, um, ouch. No, that's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Why not? Sure. Uh, well, my name's Todd and Alan. Hello, folks. And um, yeah, I'm a uh, comic from uh, Toronto. I made my. Or I'm living in Toronto now. I make my home. Uh, there. I'm originally from Gananoque. My parents are from Kempville, so we know the Ottawa area very well. What else? Oh, this is, I, I meant to say, this is a, a kind of a big moment for me, actually, because when I was doing, uh, I was doing practice teaching at uh, Kempville uh, for a while, and this would be the station I would listen to. And in fact, it was on that station after school one day. It was like a Friday. I remember it quite vividly. Um, they had just gotten the copy of um, 
uh, Nevermind by Nirvana. And they had just said, we just got this in. This is huge. And they played Smells Like Teen Spirit. And I, it was the first time I'd ever heard that cool. song from this station. I was just like, wow, these guys are nothing. You know, that was, you know, and how wrong I was. It was fantastic. <laughs> well, so, wait, could you even say that that started your career in comedy? It actually started at Carleton University. It, no, we, let's just say it. Let's we, just could, say it. We, we can say it. There we go. It's a bullface right, lie, but yes, you can say there it. There we Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Wow, it's incredible. Yeah. And I actually, I, I have donated money to this place as well. I did like a like a fundraiser drive, like, like whenever they do their Yeah, every their year they do one. Yeah. yeah, and I got a Tones on Tail CD out of the deal, out of the deal so that was very cool. Cool. All yeah. right, so it's great to have you here. Really happy. Um because you did mention you were from the area that you mm-hmm. Ottawa very well, did you get your start out here? I did, actually. Um, qualified. I mean, I, I really started in university, um, and I went to University of Waterloo. Sorry, folks. My dad went here. He's an alma mater, so there is there is Carlton blood flowing in our veins. All right. <laughs> so, you know, I do have that, too. He was here when there was only one building. Or no, four. No, four, three. I don't know. Less that? That less buildings like, than we're now. Like I think three buildings. Or something yeah, like that. yeah, it was yeah. sixty, whatever. Um, but anyway, no, uh, I was I was in university at Waterloo, and we found uh, what was basically the only clubs that we had at that time, which were like Yuck Yucks franchises, and they had one in Kitchener, which is a right, sister right. city right there. So I used to go there every week and just watch the shows and watch the shows, and like the managers got to know my face pretty stupidly. And, uh, from being from being just a from, viewer, not from being a viewer, being there every week, like they knew I was there, like every okay. week as soon as I found the place. And I just asked the guy, you know, I'm going to be away for four months on co-op. I ended up actually working in Ottawa, and uh, I said, I'm not going to be here for four months. Can I get some stage time? And they didn't have an amateur night or anything like that out there that you could actually go out and try. So he says, Yeah, sure. So I finished my last exam, went in, did the ta- did the time, and he said, Hey, you want to stay for the second show? Absolutely. Boom. And then I came to Ottawa, and again, they had a Yucks franchise here, but well-established uh, open mic policy, mm-hmm. followed the Thursday show. Right, right, right. And it was actually, I remember um, the first, I think the, the, the first headliner I ever saw, or uh, first act I ever saw was, because uh, I went down to the show firstly, uh, first act I ever saw hit the stage there was Denis Grignon. Okay, all right. A uh, local fave who's now making his home outside of Peterborough. Lindsay, right, right, right. I think it is. Yeah, Lindsay, Ontario. And then um, the the guy that brought me to the stage for the first time ever in Ottawa is Angelo Sarukas. All right, so you have a you sort of have a good uh, line right into it. Yeah, yeah. It, it was in a really shaky, and, dodgy night. They make you go on last if it's your first time, and like you're yeah. playing to four people. And I mean, is that yeah. was that your main move after you did the teaching? Was that it? You know, you're like Toronto's the the hub in Canada for for that sort of thing. Y- you needed to be there. I mean, like people can argue that there's there's different centers. I mean, like I know guys that are making a living in Calgary and Alberta, running yeah. between those cities because you can get tours into the right. smaller towns, uh, which is another uh, kind of way to ply the trade in a harder harder road mm-hmm, home. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people that will argue that Vancouver, Vancouver is, is big. Uh, Montreal, Montreal has that festival. Maybe you've heard of it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, they think they what think is it again? Um, I don't know. They, they, they always say it in French. I'm, uh, I'm yeah, horrible. Yeah, yeah. No, Just, yeah. for Just for something. Right? something. Yeah. Reading, I think it is. Yeah, 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 no, it is a it's a joint uh, thing between the illiterates and yeah, the and comics. The, yeah. The comics. I, yeah, it works out pretty Many well. of the same people you're gonna find. So, <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. So, but, but Toronto, good place, good place or bad place? Toronto, or? I uh, like. I've when I moved there from Gananoque, obviously you're in for a big culture shock um, because people honk horns to mean something as opposed to "Hey, how you doing?" My arm got tired by the time. I but um, no, it's it's uh, it's the place you need to be, I think, to 
to really sort of hone your craft because you have that ability mm-hmm. to go out every night and try some stuff and, 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 and get in front of people and try out jokes. Uh, but you also have to take it with a grain of salt mm-hmm. in the same sort of way that you can't come to absolute comedy after doing an amateur night here and go, wow, I blew the lid off the place. Where's my comedy now? Yeah. <laughs> um, you shouldn't be worried about playing to four people who aren't paying attention right. and a gaggle of people playing pool in the background um, who are ignoring you and yelling, get off the stage. You shouldn't stop comedy because of that either. But So Toronto's not a city for the uh, faint of heart. You would say, like, if you're going in there, you're not going to... I'm guessing you weren't Mr. Popularity when you showed up there. You weren't. Oh, no one knew who I was. Yeah. Are you kidding me? You're from where? Gananoque? Where's that? If, exactly. You know, I've been on uh, uh, Homegrown Cafe. Maybe you heard, never heard of it back of the line. You know, like nothing. Right. There's absolutely nothing out there. And, so, and, but that, that, that causes you to fight a little bit harder and, and work harder. I it does. It does. And if it, if it doesn't, then you know that you're not in for it. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you, if you can't hack it, if you can't get out there and if you're saying... Uh, constantly, well, you know, I'm not good enough for this room. You know, you're good enough for any room that you right. go into. Was your schooling kind of kind of in line with that? I know, like people might take <sighs> theatrics or or whatever when they're at school. What did you do? It was well, I was a math major. Hilarious. I was, I was a mathematician. So, oh yeah, I have got some <laughs> Pythagorean uh, theorem stories for you. Okay. Holy cow! And then Descartes, he doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, um, but well. I took I took a drama minor as well because okay. I just I couldn't I couldn't wrap my head around not. You know, I, I had this affinity for math, but I also looked at it as like, oh, well, you know, theater's kind of good. And I realized very quickly I'm not good at acting. I don't like doing other people's words. Mm-hmm. So I just started doing, uh, writing my own stuff. And I said, hey, you know, I actually have control in this. And I'd like, I think w- that's what makes, I think, stand-up stand out a little bit from the other art forms. It's not a collaborative effort. Like, you know who to thank when it goes good and you know who to blame. Right. And you're the you're the writer, you're the director, you're the producer, you're the performer. Sometimes you're the tech guy mm-hmm. because, you know, you go to a venue, you don't have a mic, I'll go to my trunk. And then you have to grow and bring in all the equipment and, oh, do you have a light? You do it there. Then you're the front of house manager because you got to move the tables around and make it a decent show. I mean, like, you're doing so much just to make this 5, 10, 20 minutes, half an hour of, of comedy bearable for people. And letting them know that you know they're going to have a good time, whereas I think with a lot of the other art forms, a lot of that's taken away from you because mm-hmm. uh, you've got people that are you know people go to the theater because they know it's theater. I mean, no other art form would have an open mic theater night right, where right. you're just like you know sitting in a Gabby's mm-hmm. somewhere in Toronto, you know, just having the wing special and a pitcher of Canadian while you're trying to watch you know poker Olympics online, yeah, exactly. and then suddenly you know they come in and like when shall we three meet again in thunder lightning or in rain? It's like oh okay, <laughs> yeah. it's it's open Macbeth. Yeah, so, well, I mean, you, you mentioned the theatrics part of it. Now, did you ever do any, any improv at all? I did, actually, and, and I had gotten away from uh, – a lot of comics hate improv, and a lot of improvisers hate comics, and I know why. Because you see you, – you, it's, it's hard to find the really good ones in, in like, an open mic scene. Like, you're, it's really easy – like, I know uh, – all kinds of my comic friends that just poop on improv constantly go, oh, yeah. it's crap. Well, we've you know, had it's people never come through good. here and do the interviews and do right. the same thing. So. Right, and they just crap on it, crap on mm-hmm. it, crap on it. And improvisers do the same thing. They don't. They don't hold um, uh, stand-up comedy in that same sort of esteem. And I understand why because there's there's so much. It's like anything. There's so much crap out there. And when I say crap, it's just not. Uh, it's it's not practiced yet. It's not you know. It's not tried and true. I mean, we all suck at the beginning. Right. And then hopefully you get better and better as you go along and you start to know the tricks and you learn the trade. It goes with any sort of art form. So just in the same way that you're pretty cocky 
uh, if after like three months, six months, you're going, oh yeah, I'm a professional stand-up comic because you know you got five bucks and a glass of beer at an open mic night. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's usually the pay at Yuck Yucks. Yeah, you can't you <laughs> you can't they pay that much now? Yeah. We got nothing when I was doing it back in the day. We didn't have a microphone. We talked into a can. The but you look at improvisers, you can't really say well an improviser because you have so much to learn. Like I've been to Chicago and I've seen like really really good. Um, right, improvisers. Second city is based just, out of that. Uh, Improv Olympic is another one. I saw. Right. I saw two guys yeah, yeah. just do a scene for an hour and a half, and all they did they started the show with one guy standing like this with his arms crossed, and then the other guy made the offer of like, okay, so we're doing like a CSI scene, and they dragged that for an hour, and it was the most hilarious improv I've seen in a while. Yeah. You know, like the, there's there's so much good stuff out there, but there's also bad stuff, and so. When uh, I was off, I was out of stand-up for a long while. I was, I was wor- working for software companies and really not performing at all. I had not performed about three four years. I kind of gave up the craft. And what knocked me back into it was uh, I had picked up a paper, and I found out that one of the guys I used to do stand-up with back in the day was dead, and I didn't even know it. He had, he had passed away like a year two years ago. Uh, J.T. Huntley was, was the comic's name. I was like, oh, my God, like. I've been so far out of it. And it just sort of like moved, moved me back into like all these memories of like, oh, I remember when I did that. I remember that. And my uh, girlfriend at the time, you know, really didn't like stand up. So I didn't, you know, I said, okay, you yeah, know what, for you, yeah. for you, I'll give it, I'll, I'll give it up and I'll get a decent job and that sort of thing. And well, that sort of fell apart. So then I was like <laughs> looking for other fixes. And I don't know what made me do it, but I went into, I went to Second City because they were running courses. And I, and that, you know, it helped me with improv. I went through their entire A through E program. I got accepted into the, conservatory program after an audition i met some great folks there that you know we started up a really crappy sketch troupe right we we acknowledge that we were crappy (laughs) but you know i'm not going to subject it to you know my friends yeah i was like i don't know we're horrible in fact actually a little bit of embarrassment keeps them away right and there again like we we would go to these nights like uh the sketch com nights at the rivoli's right happens on tuesday and uh you can see really good sketch and you see really bad sketch Um, you know like it's it's in it the difference is the people that practice it and make it that art form. But the um, if it wasn't me going to Second City, reigniting that sort of creative spark, I never would have done stand up. And I just happened to be in in a class in that first that first session that we ever did with a, a guy that wanted to get into stand up, and like and and we met this other guy in the class that also wanted to, and they found out that I had done it back in the day. So they were suddenly just picking. Uh, my brain, like at every mm-hmm. break, going, okay, so how did you do this, and when did you write that, and and you know, uh, you know, is it, uh, you know, uh, how did you get bookings? Yeah, and exactly. Is yuck yucks the Qu- only thing? Questions and, like here, exactly. I mean, yeah. like, so it's, it's it's all those it's all those questions, and so like I I was really reluctant to get into it, but then they forced me. Really, they literally forced me with like a gun to my head and said, "Okay, you're doing this now." And it's like, "Okay, fine." And you started up, and that was coinciding with the with the program at Second City. It was. It and was. So how long is that for people who don't know? I mean, I I know very little about the improv world myself. The the courses you can, you don't need to go to Second City. There are other courses that you yeah. can run. There's another theater in Toronto called Bad Dog Theater. You you mentioned the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. That couldn't have been the the only issue though. With it, was it getting stale for you? Was it getting nowhere? Was it you know, what made you stop? Oh, uh, she would she would hit me with pots and pans. No, uh, she never. No, there was never any sort of violence or anything like that. Like I think there was many things that were happening. Um, I had roped myself into a job that had had me doing a lot of road work, so I wasn't really home a lot of time. And when you're just trying to start out, a you know, like we were married at the time as well, so we're not now. No ring, um, you know, no ring. But you know, I'm doing. Yeah, ladies, you got the phone lines open five two zero CKCU. That's it. And it's this would be considered part of a charity drive, to be quite honest. I um, 
So no, I uh, there were many things that were kind of falling apart for me. Just like this job was losing its interest. I really didn't know how I had gotten there, doing all this stuff. I don't know why I was on the road for a year and a half, and a lot of things were not playing in my favor. And I just knew that there was something missing, and it appeared to be what this is, like what the what the stand up has has afforded me. And so I was um, I was doing more and more of it, and uh, you know, moving. I still kept the day job in the software industry. But I was able to uh, do more stand-up in the city and take advantage of the rooms that we had and that sort of thing and sort of grow as a comic. As it happened as well, uh, again, uh, you know, the thank God for software because if it wasn't, I wouldn't be bored and then wonder what the next thing is in my life. I ended up uh, getting a voice agent because so many people would come up to me after shows and go, oh, you got to, you know, you could do that voice and you could do that. It's like, I don't know if I want to do it. You know, I more like stand-up. I don't know if I want to do the other thing. It really, uh, so I, I got this voicing, and then uh, there was trouble at the job that I had there, and they were going to lay me off, and they eventually did lay me off. Um, so I had severance, and so I'm sort of at this crossroads, and I just realized at that point that, you know, they, they had this job offer for me. They said, you know, you can take this if you want, and it was basically my job plus more to do. And I was like, do I want more of the stuff I don't want? And, like, I'd always kind of taken that soft option and you know, done the safe thing and gotten the day job and that sort of thing. I just went, no, I'm not going to do it. So I, I cut free and I had the severance and I ended up hooking up uh, doing some freelance copywriting that I'm still doing right now with this client, which has kept the lights on, thankfully, but it's allowing me, you know, even though the, the content is a little bit dry because it's like for insurance software, it's a company I used to work for, your work for before. Ironically, the same company that was taking me away from my marriage and let that dissolve. Uh, no, no, now they're helping you out again. The wheels of karma. Uh, so they're helping me pay the bills all the while. I'm able to stop, go to voice auditions. I can, you know, tour on the road and take my laptop with me and work all remotely. I mean, like, it's really, it, this has been sort of the best thing that's happened to me. I was able to go down to the Melbourne Comedy Festival. and Right. No, and, I wanted to talk about that oh, yeah. a bit later. But, uh, okay, well, let's talk a little bit about all the different festivals you've done. And I see Melbourne here, mm -hmm. and I see Edinburgh is one that really interests me because right. I've heard that that one's a, a brutal one to do. It's, well, I was lucky, to be quite honest, because what happened with, it, it was it was different from Melbourne in that I just showed up on holiday in Edinburgh. I didn't go prepared with a show like I did in Melbourne. I wasn't producing my own show. I wasn't, you know, out there flyering and putting up posters. I wasn't doing any of that. I was basically just on vacation. There were just only two things. I was three things I was doing really. Uh, one was uh, going to soccer matches, uh, helping my uh, buddy clean up his house because they were selling it, and then at night I would go out and do shows. And that's the only thing that I did. And so uh, I had the opportunity when I wasn't doing any of the other two to go out and did, I think I ended up, the total was like 17 shows in nine days. Wow, and out of those, three days were actually football. So in six days, I did 17 shows. That's insane. And all I did was walk around to the different venues because they had the, the way Edinburgh runs is a it, it's a huge festival right now and it's not just stand up comedy they do yeah, music yeah, no, theater and art. Well, and, that's why that's why I was so interested in it right. because it's a it's I, I hear and I've read mm -hmm. it's a really tough crowd to please because they are you know very diversified. This is what I noticed actually because an, a. Uh, my buddy I was staying with, he actually has a buddy who was a um, he was a former drummer of the uh, the punk band The Exploited, and so he's turned to stand up comedy. It's probably in the stack here somewhere. <laughs> All right, yeah. Right, in is fact, it, I can, oh, it's in the vinyl. Yeah, it? I can see it probably right near the Nanamuskuri. Oh, we'll play, we'll play that at the break there. for everyone. <laughs> and uh, you know, punk's not dead. Oi, oi, oi! That was their <laughs> big song. So uh, he actually was running a room during the festival. 
and he was able to afford me some stage time, getting a longer set out and that sort of thing, and had invited some local friends. So I was basically the Johnny Foreigner card for him. <laughs> Hate the Facebook. I um I uh, I, I had a buddy uh, who uh, tried to get in contact with me. What's the longest period of time you've ever had role between actually seeing your friend in the flesh and adding them on Facebook? Like what, five years, ten years, yeah. something like that? Yeah. I can beat them all. 30. <laughs> this guy was apparently my best friend in kindergarten right now. So like he's like poking me and sending me messages. He wants to catch up. And I have no idea what to talk to him about. I'm like, yeah, what have you been up to for the past three decades? Um, still eating sand? Is that working out for you? Is that, is that still big on your plate? And now here's mud honey. I've always well, wanted to say that. Uh, here's the exploited... Uh... <laughs> Get the exploited, yes. Yeah, we'll get the vinyl out. Actually, yeah. I should do a search on the computer because you know I what? It's probably kicking it. around here. It, they're actually from uh, Edinburgh. They're not. They're not a Canadian oh. band. All right, we'll, yeah, we'll play them then. All right, no CanCon, no, no CanCon, no CanCon, no CanDo. Can, can, can I make a suggestion? Why not? Uh, nice Canadian band. Let's go with Sons of Freedom. Okay, Sons want, of what, Freedom. What song? Uh, one of the songs I've always liked. Uh, no, Super Cool Wagon. All right, Super cool, cool Wagon. Let's listen to it.
which people who got sick of having to have huge buzzards and 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 going into these shows um, uh, kind of not not equipped to be able to take the economic hit that was going to do. They did the Free Fringe, which is essentially apparently what the Edinburgh Fringe used to be like, where you just pitch up a venue, put some poetry or some music or some you know some comedy on stage, and people would just watch it, and you pass around the, the bucket and, and do it. So the Free Fringe was these uh, various venues that would, um, if they had a stage or something like that, you would just go in and you know ask to be put on the, on the program, and, you, and hopefully you would, and then you'd go about, uh, go about your business. And then they would do just that. They would pass around things. So, like, there was, a, there was a bar about four blocks from my buddy's place I used to go to all the time. I did, like, four or five shows there a lot. That's and so great. I got to know the host of those shows. I just popped in one night after one of the soccer games just to see what was going on. And they're like, Todd, can you close the show for us? And I was like, <laughs> I don't know. I says, these guys are really unruly. Like, we need something. I'm like, okay. And I've been drinking watching soccer pretty much all day. So you were one of the unruly ones. So, well, <laughs> it, was, it was weird because, like, this is what I've noticed about Edinburgh audiences. If you can stay as drunk as them, you're good. Because essentially what happens is, you know, you're both on the same level at that point and all is good. If you at any point, you know, try to go above them or, you know, you know, try something, you know, seamier or what they would perceive as seamier, uh, you're not going to do well there either. That being said, it's not like, you know, getting booed off the stage. It's like silent. It's like a silent disapproval, yeah. right? Yeah. Is that worse for you as, this, as a stand-up? I, you know what? I would, um, at least if they talk to you, you can address it. Like, you can sit there and go, okay, well, that didn't work. Why didn't it work? And if someone goes, you suck, at least you can play off it. I mean, I tend to go into the audience anyway. Like, I, I tend to host when I'm up here, and I like having fun with the audience and playing around with them. But when they're silent, there's nothing you can do. And the only thing you can do is you're just sitting there and eating it, and they're not doing anything. This is what I found in Edinburgh, actually. When you got, you got the audiences that were very polite. The majority of them were, unless they had been on the bevy for a while and, right. you know, kind of kind of stupid. But for the majority of them, if they didn't like you, you knew by the sound of nothing. And they wouldn't leave. Yeah. There was one, a couple of shows I went to, and no one is moving. It's uh, crossed arms, and they crossed just, legs. And they were just like, and you'd hear, huh, like someone would like something. And that would be, that's all you would get. At least in Australia, they like you know. If they yeah, don't like they, you, they, they tell you. Then they turn the gaze over to the one guy who laughs and tell him to be quiet. Right. <laughs> with the rest of them. That's no funny, mate. You stop. Stop that now. That's he's no good. You don't need to do it. You're patronising him. Not for you. Numpty. Uh, Carry on. Well, that's that's sort of funny. I think uh, like there there's sort of different levels of disapproval. And one's silent, and one is like the full on heckle. And then there's the guy. Then there's the pity laugh, which mm. is just like, oh, gee, this guy sucks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is worse than a heckle. Because at least at least there's nothing to respond to. I yeah, guess, right? you can. You, there's there's no verbiage to it. The, the, this is something I I, I came across in in hosting um, the Fox and the Fiddle. There's, I, I would recommend getting there. It's a 10 o'clock show on a Sunday, so it's kind of late. Mm-hmm. But it is a school night, I understand. But you get there early, you get on the sign-up sheet, tell them Todd sent you. Um, but I'm not vouching, actually. You know what? Forget I said that. Anyway, uh, just sign up on the sheet, and hopefully you get on there on the, on the lottery system. But this is something I noticed because uh, Jason's room, because it's late at night, you get people that are coming out on a Sunday because they can. Mm-hmm. because they don't have work the next day right. or maybe they are in an occupation which affords them to be able to sleep in and maybe they work at night or something like that right. we get like wait staff or or, or whatever yeah, exactly. we get so yeah so cool. this is this is what i've noticed about hecklers and that sort of thing you get enough liquor into a man or a woman there's you're going to get two behaviors men uh just want to be part of the show and challenge you 
right? Right. Like they want to be one better than you because they get that fire. They need to be that alpha male. That's their motivation for speaking out. Women want to be a part of the show because they want it to all be about them. Mm-hmm. They don't need that. They, they, they don't need to be better than you. They just want everyone to go, woo, look at me. Yeah, exactly. It's my birthday. I'm getting married and, soon. And a lot, of them, a lot of them tend to think it's directed at them. So right. whatever material is being spoken is being spoken to them. It's exactly. You know, which is why... I guess any anything that's a little bit dicey right. towards a, any individual becomes a personal attack upon them. So it's like, right. you know, if I told a yo mama joke and the guy's mm-hmm. mother happens to be dead or fat or whatever, right. it's like, oh, wh- what are you what are you attacking me for? Right. And it becomes a, a it becomes rather than a performance, it becomes a discussion. Right. I I will take a drunk male heckler over a drunk female heckler anytime because of that very thing because you're sitting there and you go if he just wants to be better than me well let's see if he can be if he can you know i will nod appreciatively and say okay yeah you bettered me on that one but chances are if he's hammered you can come up with the words quicker you know you have the microphone you've got the attention you have the focus you can drown him out and you know if it comes to it you can get him thrown out with women because they just need to make it all about them anything you say is just going to feed that more yeah. and and they won't shut up because you aren't paying attention to them and then you do pay attention to them and they just get larger and larger yeah. and larger it's a, it's a kind of a hysteria um, i had to do a friend's wedding as well I was doing her wedding and um uh, she had uh, like a great takeaway gift, like you know what the plates everyone gets. Uh, there was a, a little box, and inside was a piece of paper that said, "We have donated in your name some money to the Canadian Cancer Society," which I thought was great because cha-ching tax receipt right there. Oh, Uncle Todd's making money this year. Absolutely, that refund is going right into a magazine purchase. I can tell you right now. Might be us, could be People Weekly. I'll keep you posted. Okay, well, let's talk about that just before we kick off. Uh, it's ToddVanAllen.com, or if you're feeling jaunty, hey, it's TVA. Dot com. Oh, dot com. I was going to try and get TVA.com. Screw you, Tennessee Valley Authority. What the hell is that? TVA.com. I am going after you people with a vengeance. The, the podcast is, is, I guess, simulcast also on the... Uh uh, on the radio. Well, chunks of it are. The the inception of the thing was that I just started doing these Bob spots for Bob Brockville. Um, just like the Bob FM up here, the same sort of station. It's just it's in Brockville and Kingston. Yeah, they simulcast yeah, yeah. out of those two cities. And so we would do it live on Thursday mornings. And we it orig- originally just started out to start promoing some boat shows we had out in Brockville. And it just kind of grew. They said, hey, you know, you want to keep doing this spot? And I was like, I don't, sure, you know, whatever. It gets me out of bed at 6.30 on a Thursday. <laughs> Why not? That's always a good time. <laughs> and so we've just kept doing this. And then I, uh, one of the guys that used to work on that morning show, he now has his own show in the afternoons in Kingston. And he gave me a call again and said, hey, you want to do the same thing with it's me again? Right? So I'm like, so now I'm doing these two shows. One in case, so I'm really bothering the Thousand Islands a lot. <laughs> they really, they don't have a good Thursday. As far as I'm concerned, because I'm on there twice in two different stations. I'm going to plug another website as well, not just mine for the podcast, which Go is ahead. the TVA podcast. Uh, my buddy Dave Martin, who I did stand up with way back in the day, and now I get to do it again. He runs a podcast of his own called Corktown Radio, corktownradio.com. You can go to those sites. And I was just on the way on the drive up here. I was listening to uh, some some podcasts. I listened to his. And you can check the always updated website. Thank you very much. There you go. Yeah, it's, uh, it's toddvanallen.com. <laughs> I'd like to thank Todd for coming out here and coming it on the show. It was a pleasure. It was a and, pleasure. And uh, we hope to have you back when, when you're back in town.